the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Do youth sports get a bad rap? And then, why are mega churches growing while smaller churches are closing? You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Wednesday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon. And Aubrey, it's good to be back. It's, it's good to so be back good together. good to have you back. Catherine McNeil has been with us the past couple days, and she is a very fun guest co-host. But it's nothing like having the regular host. In We're the just the Brian, team, the duo, yeah. the dynamic duo is back together. It That's is one right. of the weird things about summer. Uh-huh. One of the fun things about summer is we come and go because yes. we got families. So yes. we want to... Be able to travel and do yes, whatever it is you do while we support each other to do that. That's right. While we have these short times where our, you know, all our families are all under the yeah, same roof. So exactly. grateful for Catherine for stepping in, but it is good to be back again on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope that everybody is doing well. Now, Aubrey, a lot has happened in the last couple of days since I've been gone. Uh, there were tornadoes. Like there were all these tornadoes. Brian, that was so crazy. Like I know we have tornadoes in Illinois. It's not like we never have them, but it was just a weird weather week last week. We were on our way to see. Remember how I told you we were going to go see the Indiana Jones movie? Yes, which we I heard is terrible. Well, we still haven't seen it because we were on our way there when the tornado sirens started going off on our phones and Kevin and I could see, I mean, you couldn't necessarily see a tornado, but you could see this intense storm front coming yeah. right over the theater. And we were like, hmm. I guess we should probably go home, but we couldn't go home because the tornado was over West Chicago. So Kevin was like, got the satellite on his phone and we're just driving, trying to avoid it until we were clear to go home. It was a little scary, a little stressful. Where were your kids at that moment? Were they In home? In the car with us. No, oh, we were with all you. Oh, family. you're all, because I was yeah. like, I could have gotten home. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I'll talk about this in just a second, but I've been the where I wasn't on vacation. I was at a youth baseball tournament with my son uh, down outside of Indianapolis for the last couple days. And I just kept getting texts from my wife going back to the basement, back to the basement. <laughs> and I was like, what in the world is going on? Because bright blue skies where we were. It yeah. never hit where we were. And she's oh, like, wow. So you're like, what are you even talking about? It's fine. And some of the families had to come a little late because they got they had to wait out the storm. Oh, All wow. of that stuff. So, oh wow. Uh because it was over a couple of days. Yeah, just craziness, craziness. Mm. But I that's where I want to start. Not storms, Aubrey. I want to start youth sports. Are Ooh, you ready? I know I'm ready. I know you've got boys, but you don't have like the youth sports uh kind of world. Um, but but you live I just wish people could see you right now sneezing across from me here in the studio. Like you are just dying. Uh, you must be. Uh, maybe you're allergic to me being back on the air. You're you're allergic to me being here. Did you hear me sneezing? I know. I think I'm. No, you did a good job. I said you're you're sitting across from me here, and all of a sudden you're just yeah. diving away yeah, from the mic. Yeah, I'm just like diving away from the mic, sneezing away from you, trying to not get my stop places and trying to find Kleenex. So I'm glad that now everyone knows that you're welcome, Much appreciated. listeners. You're welcome. Much appreciated. <laughs> we're letting you in behind the scenes, but uh, I was at my son plays 15U baseball. 
Okay. Uh, he's, he loves baseball. If you listen to the show at all, you know, I talk about his baseball often. Uh, but this was one of the weeks in the summer where his team went to Indianapolis. So we don't go. We're not one of those teams that goes and travels a ton. We're normally playing at a Joliet or this or that. Uh, but this was a multiple-day 80-team tournament, Aubrey. Let me uh, brag for a second. Okay, let's his team, His team made bracket play and came in eighth out of 80 teams. Uh, and ended up losing to the team that won the whole thing. Uh, so a ton of fun. Uh, I will say this before I get onto my soapbox. Way too much money spent over the span of a couple yeah, days. Yeah, so tell me about that because I wouldn't think you'd be spending a lot of money, but is it all on meals and that kind of thing because you're gone, right? And two hotels. things. It is two things. And you just mentioned the two of them. It is hotels and it is meals. Uh, so we're not yeah. paying for the tournament because we've right. already paid that in our dues for right. the team. Right, right. Uh, so I should enter a third thing. Uh, you may not have noticed, although it's a little better in Indiana, but gas isn't great right now. Ooh, gas um, is not exciting right now. Meals and hotels, hotels yeah. and meals. Uh, and so and obviously your supply of iced tea, your steady stream of iced tea you had to have. Sure. Like, that's like a whole other category. of. Oh, meals. I've got it down to a science because he always has to be <laughs> to, to the field like an hour 15 before the game starts so they could stretch and hit nice. and throw. Okay. I drive them, drop them off. <laughs> Take Go off, find the nearest Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or Panera or whatever, answer some emails on my phone awesome. or whatever, awesome. come on back, play it. the game. They it. also nickel and dime you to death. So let me tell you, let me vent one thing, and then I'm going to talk about, I'm going to back youth sports here. Okay, all right, let's hear it. Every sport, whether it be baseball, AAU basketball, uh, soccer, whatever it is. Do you want to See, you don't know this, Aubrey. You're not in this youth sports world, but do you want to know what they do? Yeah. Every team has paid thousands of dollars to be at this tournament. Every family has driven there. They're in hotels or eating in restaurants. And then they charge you for the week like a wristband to get into the fields. So you're basically paying to watch your own kids. And it's so not I had to just pay to thirty five bucks. the league or whatever? Whatever it is. Yeah, it's, okay. another, it's another way they, they know you're going to pay it. Right, because so you you're going to watch it. your kid. So, yeah. So there's a lot bad with you sports, and we've done those on here, Aubrey. Everything from people missing church. I missed church this past weekend uh, to how much money people make on youth sports, all of this stuff. Okay. Yeah. But you know what hit me again this weekend? Where else in, in my life am I going to get four days just me and my son with his baseball team, with these other moms and dads who are a ton of fun? None of us are working. We're all watching baseball that we love, then going out for dinner. These boys are laughing and hanging out. And then my son and I are together basically every minute of the day outside of being with his team yeah, that's for cool. four days. You know what hit me this week? What? Youth sports get a bad rap. Mm. There's a lot of crazy stuff about them. Mm. But you know what I'm going to remember uh, when my kids are gone? I'm going to remember these experiences of yeah, going, you are. oh, there was that weekend in Indianapolis where Jackson yeah. and I were sat in a hotel. Do you want to know how many major, major talks about life we had this week? Uh, I'm guessing zero. Exactly zero. <laughs> but it was a memory maker. Yeah, we talked baseball. We matters. went out. We ate meals. We laughed. We we talked about his baseball team. We hung out with his team. Yeah. Like yeah. every night we would all go out to different places. They won a game and we all went to a Portillo's that was That's in Indianapolis. So cool. We went to a bar and grill. We went to this and that. That's cool. Here's my new soapbox, Aubrey. 
Youth sports are not the bad thing about our culture. There's some bad things about them, but anything that's going to bring together parents and kids like that, I'm good with. What do you think? Am I right or am I wrong? How do you think about my soapbox? No, I think you're exactly right. I mean, and at the end of the day too, it's like pretty wholesome. I understand what you're saying. Like there's some controversy over, you know, how busy it is and coaches yelling at parents or coaches yelling, parents yelling at coaches, the competition, blah, 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 blah. But I think you're exactly right. Like the competition's good. It's healthy. They're getting exercise. You guys are bonding and all of it's an investment into the future. And I mean, the alternative is like, look, I love my children. They're amazing. But like they play video games last week. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so like I can't be down on you sports. Now, don't get me wrong. By the time we got home last night, my son wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> He's over you. He's like, I've had enough dad time now. Leave me alone, father. I said, I'm going to go focus on the daughters, the girls who weren't with us this weekend. <laughs> Gary, you focus on Jackson because I think he's done with me. Uh, do you know what I did? Do you know what I did the minute I got home? Oh, what's that? Mow the lawn. I oh, I why didn't I guess? That's of course what and you did. And it was so good. It was so good to go did do it something feel outside. So satisfied with, with those did. lines in the yard. Hey. So I will be the first to say, ton of stuff wrong with youth sports. I saw some of it this weekend. Uh, you know the the amount of money and all this stuff, mm. but the time. I'm going to I'm going to go with that is that is worth it and if you could do stuff it doesn't have to be sports it could be yeah. anything else you and Kevin do an awesome job of just getting away with your kids Yeah we do that's our So it's not organized activities but right. it's we're going to have one on one time mm-hmm. and that's what hit me this weekend families go out and do those things instead of just the grind of life Yeah that's Aubrey it. I'm going to cause people to have to stick around later on right before the 5 o'clock hour something did happen this weekend <laughs> That I have to own. It is top five most embarrassing moments of my I personal life. I cannot wait to hear this because you've been bringing some embarrassing moments to the table. So if this is the top five, I'm ready. I'm it so might ready be for top this. three. It's sermon illustration. Whoa. It's all of it. Uh, it is whatever you're thinking it is right now, Aubrey. It is worse. And I'm going <laughs> to oh, share no. that story oh, later no. in the show. But first, here's what we're going to talk about next. Uh, an interesting article uh, out of NPR, of all places, mega churches are getting bigger as churches close across mm. the country. Mm. Why is that happening? We're going to talk about that next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. All right, Aubrey, over at NPR, they I, I was surprised to find this there. Mega churches are getting even bigger as churches close across the country. Uh, there's like basically 1,800 mega churches in the United States, which is defined by having 2,000 or more members. Wow. So, wow. is that number higher or lower than you would? That number is actually a little lower, 1,800 than I thought it was. What about you? For a mega church, I think I would have said 2,000 plus. Um, no, no, not the number of people, oh, but the, oh, number, the number of, of mega, oh, churches mega churches in the country. No, that's. I don't know, honestly. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's funny because you hear of some particular mega churches, and you maybe in your mind think there's like only ten to twenty. So yeah, I guess eighteen hundred is is a lot of mega churches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of mega churches. So here's what this article is talking about. They said the average Christian congregation in the U.S. is in a precipitous decline, with just sixty five members. Uh, according to a pre-pandemic survey. So mm-hmm. this is 
the average church in America is shrinking and closing. Okay. okay sad. But by contrast, a separate 2020 study found that three quarters of mega churches are growing, hmm. many of them at a rapid clip. Uh, hmm. Experts say these trends have continued. Since the start of the pandemic, hmm. these mega churches are actually growing. They're getting younger hmm. and, uh, and they're growing at a rapid pace. So you've got this dichotomy, regular churches, smaller churches, closing, shrinking, yeah. whatever else it might be, huh. mega churches, which you may not believe because you and I do a lot of stories here about mega churches struggling, yeah, mega totally. churches closing, mega church. But what they're finding is this: it's actually the mega churches that are growing quickly, huh. while smaller churches close. Huh. Let's just guess. Why do we think this could be happening? Yeah, I mean, I, the first thing that comes to mind to me, Brian, it, it is funny. Like we definitely. This definitely feels surprising to me based on like friends, but I guess I'm just, I know our area of the country. But what I was going to say was, um, it feels like a financial issue to me. Mm. Uh, it, it, like, um, you know, the smaller churches are so, so dependent on um, the tithes and offerings of the people. And so are the mega churches. Right. However, the mega churches have just gotten to a point where they're, income is consistent, regular, and like operating at a totally different scale than you and I are operating at with our church budgets. That's and right. so, 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 so I'm going to use us an ex as an example for you and I to have a mass exodus and COVID uh, from our churches, maybe half the church leaves, a quarter of the church leaves, whatever that percentage of people leaving and taking their offerings with them can destroy a church that's small, right? Yeah. And a mega church, I think, is in a better place financially, fiscally to like they now they're gonna have to make choices. They're gonna have to cut their staff. They're gonna have to close down services. They're gonna have to, but they still have, I think, a little more like in the pot where a percentage mm. of people leaving isn't quite as destructive. That's, right. I'm totally guessing, Brian, but my guess is a lot of it has to do with finances. And then you back up things like, do you have a building? Do you not have a building? Right. I, you know, I, I, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. I think mind. you're making good guesses. I think I you're making good think guesses. I it's necessarily that people like megachurch is better. I think that they're in a more stable position to survive a post-pandemic, you know, downfall. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think those are good. Let me give you two more. And they actually touch on these in the article. One is megachurches are not i think we think of mega churches as like you know willow creek this huge mm -hmm. complex that we yeah. everybody drives to right instead many many of these mega churches are big but also with their multi-site so to mm -hmm. be very practical they're gobbling up the small dying churches mm -hmm. and so That's what you're getting point. is less small churches and more churches under one big umbrella. They're almost yeah. like denominations, right? It's the Willow yeah. Creek Association. It's yep. the yep. Uh, whatever else it might be. And so they're gobbling up these and therefore growing and growing and growing through mergers, through takeovers or whatever else it might yeah, be. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I, yep. that, I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're right. 
And I think a lot of that goes both ways. I think these smaller churches that are dying are reaching out to these mega churches going, come save us. Help. Come save right. us. We need help. Like we don't want to lose our body. We don't want to lose our worship, but like we can't keep living We can't along keep like making this. it. Yeah. yeah. Let me give you a second one. Uh, and again, I'd love to unpack this, but they touch on this on this NPR article as well. But uh, mega churches have the staffing, uh, the budget, and the um, – a lot of time the expertise yeah to do the digital world really well mm. <clears throat> so as we as as a as a culture in general become more digital yeah uh people want to be able to watch on their phone people want to be able to whatever you, they call it in this article digital discipleship right right i don't my church, right? We've got two full-time staff members, a couple part-time staff members, mm -hmm. you know, how many members are we? 200 members yeah. probably, right? Yeah. Whatever. I don't have the bandwidth nor the people in my world who can do this quote unquote digital discipleship like really creating well. An app, like creating an app or having sure, like a instance. really meaningful online service or yep. what, whatever version of that is. Even like a, even like a really meaningful, you know, email that goes out with devotional thoughts on it. Like that kind of, those kinds of basic things. You're right. Like that requires or, staffing, that requires expertise, that requires money. Think about some of the mega churches that you know, the bigger churches, and just what they produce on social media. Oh, and yeah. they're connecting their people through social media. Mm -hmm. I would love to do that, and the but chances are, outside of like having a diamond in the rough, which it, within my church somewhere, mm -hmm. I'm going to need to pay somebody to do this. And this yeah, then goes right. back to what you said: we're the ones who can't pay people to do yeah. these things, and so. Yeah. You start to lack digitally where some of these mega churches are killing it, whether it be social media, whether it be online services, mm -hmm. whether it be online groups of what they have full time staff members who are only doing online stuff. Yeah, that's their job. That's their job. And that Content they, creation at a church. They pay yeah. those people full time because it pays off. And so I do. I think all of these things then grow and. I don't know. You and I are kind of smaller, medium church people. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure it's a good trend that we've got, that well, this is the way we're going. I was just thinking like the hard part in, in one sense is like that doesn't necessarily make for a thriving church, like people who are growing and deep and community and in their relationship with Jesus. But it also doesn't not. Right. Like, I mean, people at mega churches are growing and thriving in relationships and with yep. Jesus. And it's, I think the difficult part is if that's where the trend is going and if it's not going to change, um, how can like the local more boutique church begin to reimagine itself and be revitalized yeah. and not give up and not feel like you have to compare yourself to the big machine churches because you just can't. So like, yeah. what is God doing in these, in the smaller local spaces that he can't or isn't doing in the bigger spaces and how can we value ourselves well? And I mean, it's just interesting conversations, but it is. if this is an ongoing trend, I do think it's going to be a little heartbreaking to see more and more neighborhood churches close down. And somebody made a comment on Twitter that I think 
sums this up. They go, this is the Walmart effect. This is the Walmart mm. Amazon versus the mom and pop wow. sh- st- store wow. in downtown. Some of those mom and pop stores make it because people love them and this and yep. that, but they don't make it because they can offer you better things than Walmart right, or, better prices or Amazon or, or yeah. Target or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make it for other reasons. And so I think that's, that is a valid point. Coming up next, Gospel Coalition touched on a difficult topic, the topic of envy. They give one important way to uh, combat envy in your life that I think is really helpful. We're going to talk about that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. It's a weird thing to ask you, Aubrey, if this is something that you struggle with, because I think we all struggle with it, but envy. They they tackled it at the Gospel Coalition. A... How how does that look in your life? Because uh-huh. we all struggle with envy. So, like, yeah. what does the struggle? Assuming we all struggle with it, yeah. What does the struggle look yeah. like for you? Uh, and kind of how does it play out? And then we're going to get to because uh, here's the deal: envy is, um, it's kind of insidious, right? Oh, and for sure. We, we like to say we as pastors struggle with it. I, it's all the same. The business mm-hmm. world, you struggle with the person mm-hmm. who's making more than you or doing better. Uh, to the pastor world, the person with the bigger church or whatever else, yeah. bigger house in the neighborhood. Uh, so talk to me about envy in your own life. So for me, I um, it's interesting because I genuinely get excited for people when they like um, – I, I'm trying to think like ha, like experience an accomplishment, like something they've been working for happens or like they succeed at something they're trying. I genuinely am like, so, I'm like your hype girl. I, and, I, and it's very sincere. Like, I feel like that's just a, a joy that God has given me to see other people like succeed at what they're doing. And so that's not an area of envy for me where I do begin to feel envy and really struggle with envy would be like material things, which I'm not proud of, but we're just going to be vulnerable and real here. Like you've got more money than me, financial stability than me. You can go on all the trips you want to go on. You can Mm -hmm. buy whatever it is you want to buy whenever you want to buy it, but also your savings is set. And so you're not worried about it. Like you don't carry financial stress and you're like planning for the future and your kids colleges pay for like that's (laughs) an area where i am like and what is this future you speak of (laughs) yeah and i think it's probably both envy and a little bit of shame like man have we just you know ministry's hard and you don't like roll in it but have we not done a good job with you know taking care of our finances so it starts to feel like kind of a self where I feel like I'm failing and someone else is succeeding, that's where yep. my envy kind of meets and explodes. I no, think my envy. I, is- let's be honest. There are times when I see people succeeding where I get jealous, but more so, it's the it's the financial. I think it's really funny. I think you and I might be a little opposite on this because oh, don't get me wrong. I do envy people. When you said, I don't envy people's material things, I very rarely am like, oh, I so wish I could afford that car or that mm-hmm. bigger house or that yeah. stuff. Yeah. When you turned it to financial stability mm. and not having to worry, I get that one. I yeah. get that one. Yeah. So this is confession time. This is going to sound terrible. It. This is going to sound terrible. Therapy. I usually, when I'm doing poorly with envy, I do wish other people lack of success. I yeah, do find I myself. Do. Yeah, I do find myself going. Oh, I'm not happy that their church is growing. Yeah. Or, oh, I'm not happy that they got uh, whatever. 
they pick you know, to XYZ. Yeah. Their kid got this, or I'm not uh-huh. happy. Like I do find my and for me it very rarely interestingly is about money. It's about for me, it's more about like when somebody else is doing better at something I want to do well at. Yeah. I find myself going, uh, like here. Uh, I don't write books at all. So I'm, yeah. I'm thrilled when your books do yeah. well. I want yeah. them to. If yeah. I was writing books, Ooh. I think I would naturally want you – not only would I want my books to do well, I think I would want your books to do poorly, but I would never yeah. admit that yeah. to you. Yeah. So it's interesting you say this because now some things like that are coming to mind where maybe I maybe I wasn't – I was lying to myself a little bit. There, <laughs> are, there are times when I'll see an author come out that like maybe we're similar in our like platform, in our genre, in our whatever. And like sometimes I'll be like, oh, I wonder what their followers – how many followers they have. And that's all motivated by envy. Like that's not just like – oh let me just research the number of followers they have neutral it's like let me see how they compare to me and how i compare to them and what are they doing what do they have that i don't have so maybe you're right it's in there it's in it's in there it is it's in there for all of us wow we're just green we're green with the green with envy so at the gospel coalition they were reflecting on a book that um uh, that gavin ortland wrote called humility the joy of self-forgetfulness and some of what he talks about when talking about envy is talking about his brother's book because his brother, Dane Ortland, recently wrote a book, uh, Gentle and Lowly, right? Yeah, that's right. That was a great book. I read that one. And well, then there was another one about union with Christ that was really good. So this is his point is his brother uh, had a book uh, that kind of killed it. Oh, yeah. And he talks about being genuinely happy for his brother, but also, mm. uh, you know, this kind of like, uh, how do you do with it? So mm-hmm. I want to get to his point about how to combat envy. So quickly, he talks about here's three reasons that envy is such a bad thing. Envy is the opposite of love. He says mm-hmm. envy is the constant thief of joy. I think wow. that's a really wow. important one because he says wherever envy exists, hatred also resides <gasps> and misery follows. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm reading a tweet here, uh, like a pull quote, envy right. and joy cannot coexist. Wow. That's right. And then he says, wow. envy turns any heaven into hell. Basically, mm. you can't see the good things on your own side. Uh, you just see what you don't have. Uh, yes. So he then says, how do we combat this? And Aubrey, he gives the most uh, church answer, but I think it's awesome. What does he say? He- if you find yourself envious of a person, immediately start praying for them, like in the moment and keep okay. praying for them. He wow. says it's really hard to be envious for people you pray for. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Like just even pray for their like blessing and more success and things like that. Yes. Yes. Mm. He says he says another effective tool is to encourage the people we're tempted to envy. So basically he's talking and this is why I wanted to bring this up. He says you got to be super proactive. You can't just be like, oh, I'm not going to be envious. He's like, when I find myself envious for, in his sake for his brother when his book came out or whatever else it might be, I pray for them. I encourage Mm. them. I pray Mm. for them. I encourage them. Uh, You talked about being other people's biggest cheerleaders. Almost being like, I'm going to make a a choice right now not to be envious. What This feels like it would work. I... I love that in a different way. I remember my one of my first writing mentors was an author named Shannon Etheridge, and she was not talking about writing. She was actually talking about 
Um, Cause a lot of her work is around like healthy relationships, especially for women. And she would often encourage women if there was like a, this is going to sound weird, but I'm going somewhere. I promise. She would uh, encourage women. Like if they were like haunted by, um, you know, an old boyfriend, someone mm. they shouldn't be thinking about anymore, but maybe that person was popping near their head. She's, she was sharing from her own experience that if that would happen to her and she was like happily married. And so was disturbed by the fact that that was happening. She would go, God, thank you for that person. Bless them and mm. be with them. But I'm moving on now. And she just yeah. said it became a habit for her where just every time this person popped into her head, shoot, bless them, be with them, but I'm moving on now. Bless them. So that she didn't allow herself to dwell. She didn't allow herself to fantasize. She didn't allow herself to go to dark places. And, and you know, you're not going to take the extra step to like write the old right. friend and encourage them, but just, uh, and right. then she said she got to the point where like, she like never thought about these people anymore. Yeah. And I do think there's something about, you know, we, we know this from science, our neural pathways change when we get habits ingrained in our being. And so to be able to, when you feel envy, go, God, you know what? I'm envious right now, but I want you to bless that person, give them more favor, give them more achievements, and then send mm. them a text or a message saying, so exciting to see what God's doing in you. I'm cheering you on. Keep going. I imagine that changes your brain and your heart. So it does become more natural. And then here's the other thing. This is totally selfish, but I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I'm ready. That person that, okay. I'm, I'm even just thinking of the book industry, that person that you're cheering on when it becomes your turn, I imagine they're going to help support you because you've been such a supporter of them. Do you know what mm, I mean? Like, yeah. whereas if you stay away because you're jealous and mad, you don't even have a chance to grow in that relationship and that partnership. And I don't know. I think there's like collaboration and cheerleading that that can change our envy into to joy and just see what God does. Yeah. So I like that. I like that. I think it's, it's simple good. and it's good. Pray for them. Encourage them. Ortland ends this way. As we pursue humility, including by praying for and encouraging those we're tempted to envy, we can be confident God will reward us with life, joy, and freedom. So uh, it's somewhat simple, but also really difficult. And I, I that's what I appreciate about it. All right. Aubrey, coming up next, it's confession time for me. I had one of the most embarrassing moments of my life happen I over the weekend. I am so excited for this. I cannot wait. And I'm telling you, I'm not even overstating it. People, you're going to want to stay to hear this because we are going to talk. How do you deal with these sorts of embarrassing moments in your life? We're going to do it next year on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. All right, Aubrey, I've been teasing it. I've been telling you uh, I've got to. I've got confession time. Confession time. Uh, I have been waiting for this since you teased it. So this better be good. So as I've been talking about over the last, just today, I missed the last couple of days because I was at a baseball tournament yeah. with my son. We were in Indianapolis. His team did great. Ton of fun, ton of father, son time, ton of good times with everybody else. Uh, but you know, I've come on this show, Aubrey, and I have bemoaned um, kind of youth sports culture, mm -hmm. youth sports parents, yep. and all of this stuff. Yep. So, Aubrey, <laughs> I got ejected from a game this weekend. No, you didn't. No, I did. you didn't. No, did. you didn't. No, you didn't. Did. No, you didn't. I did. Now, I have explanation. I think it was unjustified. It was Ooh, unjustified. Honestly, I think that. Okay. This but with that said, so okay. I'm gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the story. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna just listen and we're then to respond. 
I'm going to, this is like a court of law. I'm going to try to defend myself because I am not without blame in this. Is this a version of Jerk or Justified, a game we used to play here on the show where you would tell me a story and I would say if you're a jerk or justified? No, I was a jerk. I got a little, I got a little over the top here. So, uh, what night was it? Anyway, it doesn't matter which day. One of our last games, we were losing eight to one, and we ended up coming back and winning 15 to 13. Okay? okay. In extra innings. A normal game is seven innings. We went nine innings. So it was super tense. Uh, super this or that. So uh, I will also add to this that the umpire was really bad in this game, both okay. sides. It okay. wasn't like just against our team, it was against both sides. We are. And so both both fan bases, if I'm being honest, are probably giving it to him a little bit. Just like, oh, come on. Come on. Yeah. That kind of stuff, right? Okay. okay. Nothing out of the order. This is yeah. not one of those situations where people were like belligerent. It was just kind of a tense, good game. Okay. Okay. We are up 15 to 13. There are two outs. They are second and third. Okay. So if we get them out, yeah. we're going to win this game. Yeah. If the pitcher gives up a hit, the game is likely to be tied and continue on. Okay. We make a pitching change and we bring in my son. <gasps> so now my son is on the mound. And Woo! so now anxiety is just yeah, like, like is it is over is the top for yeah. me at this moment. Right. And so <laughs> it's just over the top. And so uh, first pitch he throws is clearly a strike. And this ump with a tight strike zone calls it a ball. No. Okay. And everyone just kind of goes, oh, this is where I'm justified. I don't say anything to the ump. Okay. I turn away and thinking under my breath, but I I apparently said it louder than I thought. I turned around and just went, that's terrible. (laughs) But not towards him. Okay. It was away from him. Okay. But it was apparently. Apparently louder than I thought. I said, that's terrible. Okay. And okay. all of a sudden, the next thing I hear is, you got to go. You're no! gone. No. So the, no. I was like, oh, no, that's me. That was quick. That happened. Okay. I feel like you're not telling the whole story because you've just painted yourself very innocent. Like you just sort of delicately went, that's terrible. No, no, no. I yelled it. No, no. It was loud. It was like. Okay. And, and, and if he's not looking, build up because- if he's not, well, everybody's been getting on him. I haven't yelled like I've done nothing. Nobody else has done at this point. Right. <laughs> but okay. 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 He's not looking at me. Yes. So he hears loudly. That's terrible. That's terrible. And thinks I'm just yelling at him. Right. 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 He doesn't even turn around. He just throws me out. I had actually turned around and gone, that's terrible. So. <laughs> It was so walk of shame, embarrassing. Yeah, that's mortifying. All I did was go to the other end of the dugout and watch my son. Right. Then stru- can I just right. tell you, my son then struck the kid out. Hey, and won the game. yeah, I did. Uh, but every the parents thought, "How here's so here's so I want to have a serious, a somewhat serious conversation because I was mortified." Yeah, because you're that guy. We've talked about that guy on the show before. I was so embarrassed because the parents thought it was hilarious. Of course, but they did. More yeah. than one parent was like. We didn't guess the first person to get ejected would be the pastor. Pastor Brian. Uh, the players are like, did you get thrown out? Like, 
What did your son say? That's what I thought. He thought it was funny. He thought he was all high from winning the game. Oh, okay. Um, So I joked about it, and we joked about it. But I do have to be honest. I felt a high level of shame and embarrassment. Like is oh, I went over the line there. I will. I will. I will hold on to the fact that it was unintentional and a little bit of a miss. Yeah. But the fact still remains, I got thrown out of a youth baseball game. Did it give you compassion for other people who've been thrown out of games before that you've been like annoyed by? Like maybe the same, maybe it's the same scenario for them. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it in those terms because oftentimes guys get thrown out after they've been belligerent for innings upon innings. That's what was different here. I hadn't been belligerent. Don't get me wrong. Every parent there was given lots of, oh, yeah, or come yeah, on, or yeah. those kinds of things. Yeah. But I wasn't like, if you went over to the other fa- parents, they wouldn't be like, yeah, that guy in the red shirt has just been riding gotcha. me up. Oh, okay? okay, 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 gotcha. But gotcha. I think my kind of like, that's terrible, was the straw that broke the back on this. <laughs> he um, was done. He was who had been done. Putting it, he was terrible. His strike zone was awful. But he had been kind of hearing it behind him for uh-huh. like an hour and a half. And that was it. He's like, done, done. He hit his limit. Okay, so talk to me about the shame. Why did you feel so shamed? Because everybody knew it was me who got shocked. <laughs> Everybody's like. And everyone knows you're a pastor. Was that That too, but too? think about all the things I've said to you on this show about how crazy parents are who get thrown out and how awful it is. And I'm walking like, I just got chucked from a game. And then there was the embarrassment of like taking away from the kids, like all of this stuff, which it didn't Ryan, do. Brian, Nobody remembered it. Up. Ryan. I was, I was, re- I really dealt with a lot. I called Carrie and like she thought it was What'd the funniest thing. I mean, it oh, she thought it was hilarious. hilarious okay. Thing. So, like, what's your life lesson? Did you learn a life lesson? So we had more games after that, and I was much more careful <laughs> about what I said. It was still, the games were still intense. <laughs> it was this and that. There is a there. It actually might enter my sermon this week. This is why it's a good thing because it yeah. might actually fit. Yep. There is something to be said about how you deal with embarrassment, shame, things you feel shameful and yeah, guilty about. Right. So I tried to own it with like the other parents. Like, no, I feel badly about that. I tried not yeah. to just laugh about it. I never yeah. saw the ump again, so I couldn't say sorry okay. or explain okay. myself. Yeah. There wasn't a ton I can do, but I, it was, Aubrey, I do have to say, to take it a little more serious, afterwards, I felt a level of like embarrassment. Mm. Mm. That I had not felt in a long, long, long time. I I want to be your therapist for a minute and unpack the why behind the embarrassment. Because I'm hearing you tell the story and I think it's actually pretty funny. And I'm like, yeah. I think it's funny too. It's like a little embarrassing. But what was it about that that was so embarrassing that felt like beyond a level? Like what did it trigger for you? Because I still got thrown out. Everyone still got me seat. Everyone still saw me get thrown out. Okay. And nobody else knew necessarily that I hadn't done anything. Aha. Okay. I shouldn't say I hadn't done anything. I yeah. yelled that's terrible too loudly. Yeah. No doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. The ump should not have been able to hear me yell loudly that's terrible. So sure. I don't want to paint myself as an innocent victim, victim. here. Victim. Yeah. I didn't yeah. do anything. I'm confident in saying <laughs> I should not have been thrown out. Right. But I still wasn't in the right. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. The embarrassment was like, 
I had to do the walk of shame and people saw me and everybody looks down on the, the parent, that yeah, parent so it, who gets so it was thrown about out. How they were like perceiving you in that moment. Yeah. You actually weren't totally guilty. Yeah. I was now that dad yeah. who got ejected. Yeah. I was that dad <laughs> who got thrown out and became the butt of the jokes because everyone else thought right. it was funny. They know me. Right. Like Kate, Carrie goes, you're the last person I would have expected to get thrown out. Like that's part of it. Yes. And then to be super serious about it, I did feel like it was a ding on my reputation. Like mm. it, it, d- for people to be able to say, I didn't expect the pastor to be the first one to get thrown out regardless of the circumstances yeah. is a bad look for me as a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Or does it make you more relatable as a pastor? People are like, I want to go to that guy's church. He's real. I, I don't, I, 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 I hope so. How's that sound? So that's my embarrassing moment for all the raving I've done about out of control parents. I love this. I love that. This I got ejected yeah. from yeah. a youth when baseball just, game this just week. Just a minute ago, we talked about envy and how I'm people's cheerleader. I am cheerleading for the fact that this happened to you. I feel like yeah. this was good. This was a good, I will promise you I will never get ejected from a game you again. You never will. I know, I know that to be true. Like right you. now, it's still bringing up something deep in my soul of like, like oh, I can't oh, believe that happened. Oh, no. I can't believe that happened. Somebody else on some radio show in Indiana is talking about you right now. They're talking. They got the umpire on about the worst people, the parents, and they know it's. There's this guy who was wearing a red shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Wow! So there you go. Confession time. Thank you for telling me that it wasn't the biggest deal in the world. It wasn't. You're still loved. You're still loved. It was a moment. I struggled with it. That's right. Hey, Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian from I'm Aubrey Sampson. And you, 60, hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.